Mary Ann and Margie. These are familiar names to almost everybody in First of Ann and a host of lifelong Memphians. Many of us here today and around the city have been mentored by them for decades. At 94 and 96, together they have experienced and witnessed over 190 years of God's faithfulness. And we're only going to get a 50-minute glance this morning. They both grew up in church-going homes with wonderful parents, but both lost their daddies as young girls. Margie's dad died in a plane crash when she was four. Mary Ann's dropped dead when she was 15. So their lives are a story of an incredible heavenly father. These ladies first met at Central High School through their high school sorority. Mary Ann was a senior and president of TDS, and Margie was in the 10th grade and became president as a senior. Marianne graduated and went on to Southwestern, which is now Rhodes. They're going to comment behind me all the time, so y'all just need to know that. <laughs> and at Rhodes, she became the first woman student body president and met her husband, Tommy. She wrote in her diary that night after their first date that Tommy was the first boy she went out with who actually entertained her for the evening. <laughs> Tommy graduated from Annapolis. They married and moved around for about four years when he was in the Navy. They moved back to Memphis in 1951. Marianne was told by her doctors that they would not be able to have children. <laughs> she replied that God gives children and then proceeded to have five boys. Um, <sighs> Tim's in my first home was across the street from that doctor and she had great joy in introducing us. Margie met Chubby while she was in high school, and he was in medical school. They could not date during the week, so Chubby figured out he could see her by picking her and her friends up for Young Life. He was supposed to take them to a Young Life weekend retreat and tried to cancel at the last minute for a fishing trip. Margie told him that if he did not take them, he needn't bother call her again. He ended up taking her. And that was the weekend that he met Christ and gave his life to the Lord. When he took Margie home, he told her, I gave my life to Jesus this weekend and want to serve him for the rest of my life. Let's pray. There's our romance stories you should hear more about and how God sanctified them and used them all through their marriages. Marianne and Tommy were married for 47 years, and she's been a widow for 27 years. Margie and Chubby were married for 61 years, and she's been widowed for 15 years. Each of them has five children. Marianne has 14 grandchildren and eight great-grandchildren with one on the way. Margie wins with 28 grandchildren, um, 76 great-grandchildren, and two on the way. Uh, they... <sighs> I want to get through this so we can get to them, so, okay. Um, they became friends in the early 1950s through First of Ann and raised their children together here. They've had a precious, lifelong friendship and lots of adventures together. In the early 1970s, God did a great work in the city of Memphis. Really, it was a revival, and much of it happened in and through these two women and their husbands. Another name that came up often in both their stories with me is Margaret McDaniel. She would be the third woman up here today if she were not already in heaven. These three women taught and discipled women and children all over the city of Memphis and beyond. Marianne and Margaret were instrumental, instrumental in bringing Bible Study Fellowship to Memphis, and Margie and Chubby were instrumental in the foundation and flourishing and establishing of young life in Memphis this is just two things. There's so much more. Both of these ministries have been used of God mightily to populate his kingdom and the churches of Memphis. First of Ann is only a small part of the influence of these ladies in the kingdom of God. I originally had six questions for them to choose from to share about this morning. Not happening. Um, <laughs> they have landed on one, which will end up encompassing many of the others. 
So today, they're going to share some of their story of God's faithfulness by sharing their life verses, those scriptures that have become the anchors and themes of their lives. Each one will have 20 minutes. We're not going back and forth. And I have set an alarm that will (laughs) tell them when their time is up. They already know this. Um, And so at the end, they'll have a few minutes to recap or to say something they forgot to say. But I don't want to take any more of their time, so we are going to get started, and Mary Ann will go first. I like this. I didn't close, know close. I was going to hear all about myself. All the way to you. Okay. Oh, I'm the old one. So don't forget that when I'm talking. <laughs> you made one mistake. Of course. First event is not a small amount. It is a great blessing to me and my family and has been, and I've loved it. And uh, I guess we could stay here all day. I'm seeing all those. I wish I could stand up. I know they're all the way back there, but anyway, hi. Uh, Close. We could stay here all week. Why we all told uh, our favorite Bible story, Bible verses. But anyway, I'm going to mention a few today that I feel like that how rocks, few of them are boulders that I stand on all the time. You think about 1 Thessalonians 5.18. This is the will of God for you, that in everything you give thanks Now, let's notice, God does not say we give thanks for everything. The truck hits you and breaks your legs and you get chicken pox. God does not expect you to give thanks. But he does say in everything, as we're going through our life, we give thanks. He does this, I believe, for our blessing. Because when we're giving thanks to the Lord... Our focus is on Jesus. We're not on poor me if it's not good or great me if it's great or we're not discouraged or complaining or grumbling. Crying. <laughs> we're crying. We are, when every book in the Bible probably and certainly in the New Testament says rejoice in the Lord always. This encourages us to walk on top of our circumstances instead of them holding us down. And it encourages us because when we are rejoicing and giving thanks, he tells us that he gives us his peace. And we experience his joy. And we know what old Nehemiah says in the 8th chapter, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So this is all for good, and it is wonderful. And the first one I would like to share is really a boulder, is Romans 8. I don't know how many of you all just hang in there, but it is wonderful. When you think about that verse, it says that, uh, how nice. I had a senior moment for me. (laughs) What does he say? Oh, verse, verse, eighth chapter. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that glorious? We could say thank you all day for that. There's no fear to death, no timidity or fear to go, thank you, (laughs) into God's home where his throne is because we'll... Jesus took all our sin. He took our condemnation. It's glorious. And then he tells us there in the sixth verse, he says to us, well, I do have to look down again. Oh, the next verses down in the eighth chapter are so many about the precious Holy Spirit. And and the Lord Jesus, through Paul, isn't it wonderful how the Bible says, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. God told these guys what to write. And he says, all scripture is given. And we have the Lord. 
and he says, let the Holy Spirit of God control you. Not your old sinful nature, you'll get into trouble again like you've been. But the Holy Spirit who loves us, who prays for us, he says, who teaches us and strengthens us how to pray and empowers us, it is so wonderful. And then we come to that boulder, Romans 8, 28. I imagine everybody in here could quote, we know that God works all things for good to those of us who are in Christ Jesus. We're certain. This is confidence. It's a guarantee that God works the bad things and the good things and the happy things and the sad things together for our good. He wants our good. And then he says he gives us his peace that is beyond understanding. And, the, and we have this glorious truth. And when he says works together for good to all who love Jesus and are called according to his purpose. The 29th verse reminds us that God the Father says that one of his purposes as he calls us to himself is to make us more like Jesus. And who doesn't want that? And we want his will. So if, and he knows that we are focused on the Lord Jesus when we are looking to him and trusting him and he tells us and then he goes down down there in the, in the, the verses towards the end where he says to us this wonderful truth he said no one in all creation can separate us from the love of God isn't that wonderful no one God tells these writers to put these little words with this big meaning that no one can separate us. And you know, that reminds us of the 10th chapter of the Gospel of John. I love it. Well, the apostle is quoting the Lord Jesus. And he says, the Lord Jesus says, my father is greater than everyone. And no one, it's another no one, can pluck you out of his hand. And then he adds, the Father and I are one. And it's like God the Father has you and me and this side. God the Son has, and he says, I got you. You're mine forever. <laughs> they, I had five boys, they can hear me. <laughs> but the thing is, it's so wonderful to get these guarantees that we can stand on, particularly if it's a bad day or a bad time or a heartbreaking time, that the Lord loves us. And I do want to tell, well, I won't tell that yet. <laughs> Debbie's got to keep us in tow, yeah, I know. I know. Oh, and then he says at the end of, of the chapter, he reminds us, he says, God is for you. He's for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? I mean, isn't this glorious? Well, another boulder <laughs> that I love is the whole, practically the whole book of Philippians. I'm not going to quote it. Don't worry. But the thing is, in that uh, first chapter where uh, he's saying, I am certain. This is another positive. I am certain that God, who began the wor this work of salvation in you, the minute you and I repented of our sins and asked the Lord Jesus to be our Savior, he came to live in us in the person of his Holy Spirit. And in both of these chapters, he tells us over and over again about the Holy Spirit and how he loves us. And all he's, as Jesus told them, when he, after he rose from the dead, you remember, and he was getting ready to go back to heaven, and they were all so upset, he said, I'm going to give you another me, the Holy Spirit, and I will never leave you or forsake you. That's another promise, never. I know it. All these 
words that we can stand on that the Lord Jesus has given us. And he says, I am always with you. So that's why he tells us, let the Holy Spirit control you, not your old self, not your old nature. He says, he is the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, and he lives in you. The indwelling of the Lord God lives in us. And that's why when we get to Philippians 4.13, we all go, I start to say, Abe. <laughs> we get excited. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He lives within us, and he wants us, and this is, I know, why he wants us to give him thanks all the time, because it focuses us on the Lord Jesus, who is in us, who we can depend on, and I'm depending heavy. Think of how old my poor brain is, and how I might, and y'all might be here all day. I know, it, it is something. But the Lord Jesus says that we can do all things. That's another little word with a big meaning. All things. As we focus on the Lord Jesus, as we look to him. And then when we think about those wonderful verses, I guess we all hold it, that it says um, in the fourth chapter, the sixth verse, be anxious for nothing. That's another little word with a great meaning. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. You know, if somebody asked me, what is your advice? That would be my advice. Two little words. Not just when it's trouble and you're troubled, but pray about everything. We had fun, you remember, when we came to First Evan, everybody around the world knew about it, that it, we were a mission-minded church and the missionaries would come here from everywhere. And on Sunday nights, remember, they'd all speak. And I remember one night, one man, I of course can't remember his name, and he was talking, I don't remember a word he said except one thing. He said, are you praying for your children's spouses? I thought, what? I'm praying for them not to run out in the street and get, and not to get, fall out of a tree. Well, when Tommy and I came home, mother was so precious and she'd kept the boys while we were church and I, I was praying before we went to bed and it was like the Lord said to me, don't poo-poo that. That's a good idea. You better do it. She's one, and the other four are as precious as she is. And the amazing thing, each one is perfect for that son because we are all divine originals. None of us are the same, and God has made us all different, even if we have the same mother and daddy and grandparents and all that jazz. And the thing is... It is wonderful how he got them together. I know it. And so, and then they gave me 10 granddaughters and just four grandsons. <laughs> I just love little guys. And we don't, and we have a lot of little ones now. We had a new one this week. And, of course, Tommy used to say about Margie and Chubby, he said, no, the Andrews are like Texas. They're bigger than anybody. <laughs> Love Chubby. I'm sure he's on Chubby's front porch. I know it up there. I, I laugh and say he goes to the gate every day saying, Where is poor Mary Ann? I, I never heard anyone talk so much about heaven and she can't get in. And every time I think about it, I said, No, Lord, but I'm coming. I know it. And the marvelous thing is, I thank him every day. This life is temporary. Our life with him is forever. And it's going to be perfect. So I'm not really getting on the bus today. 
I, I thought about it this morning, but <laughs> but anyway, now where was I? Okay, I do have this. Oh yeah. Okay, your alarm's gone off. You're good. Time's up. No, I've got to finish. Okay, finish. I want to finish with Philippians. I got sidetracked. With Philippians 3. That verse in there where he says, don't focus on the past. Certainly not the bad things, but not even the good things. Look forward to what lies ahead. And every day, press on to reach the end of your, re your race that will come on the day the Lord Jesus comes back to get us. That's what we do. And then when I read this verse in a translation, I like different translations sometimes they tell us, that is a fun thing. I have more time to re read my Bible, to pray. Old age has a few perks. Yeah, and the thing is that when we, when we know about this, that the, the Lord Jesus is saying, focus. That's why he says in everything give thanks. This focuses us on Jesus, and this keeps us. He says, when you focus on me, I can give you my peace. I get, let you experience my joy, and he says, and you can walk as a citizen of heaven. Don't you love that? You know, when we pray for the poor souls over there in Asia and the Middle East and Africa and all that, we are so thankful that Jesus let us be citizens of the United States, particularly us oldies. We remember when life was so easy. But we are really citizens of heaven. And when we allow the Lord Jesus to have his way in our life, he empowers us to walk like it. And that's what we all want to do. Thank you all. Okay, is that all right? No, yeah, hold, no you just hold this. Oh. I think it's time to go home. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful that we don't have to compare ourselves with somebody else? <laughs> especially when you're sitting here together and following the other one. Uh, I often hear speakers say that when they've been the one that's come on along. They feel like it's all been said. <clears throat> I want to thank the women that have brought this together. I think it is absolutely amazing to think, as busy as everybody is, and even believers, that you, the Lord would put it on your heart to want to be, not just to hear Mary Ann and me, but to be together as a family of God. And there's so many pluses about being a member of the family of God. And I wanted to make a list for it. I've gotten to the place in my devotional books and even in the scriptures where God makes a list of the, the pluses of being a member of the family of God is innumerable. And it's one of the motivations to, to read the word. And I think, Debbie, we kept talking about what, is it that you really want to say? And I said, well, I think I'm kind of noted for one thing. Mary Ann is praying. She prays for everybody. She prayed me to Africa. <laughs> and I didn't want to go. She didn't want to Well, I'll tell you about that in a minute. Um, now, what did I say? <laughs> about Mary Ann. And mine has been... How God has used the word of God for one in my life and to speak to me. Someone who claimed to be a Christian said to his wife when they were having trouble, she said, the Lord said to me, he says, what do you mean the Lord's talking to you? Who do you think you are? And she said, well, the Lord speaks to me all the time. Well, he, and he does, and he speaks to me. And and I, it's the hardest thing in the world when the Lord says some days we have more time reading the word. And when some days when the Lord's kind of made some specific answer to the burden you have on your heart, you want to tell somebody. And the first person that comes in the room says, let me tell you what the Lord told me. And my Nancy told me to quit saying that to her. 
<laughs> She's tired of hearing it. But anyway, it, it, it all began uh, when I was 12, about 12 years old. Uh, Debbie, thank you for bringing them up to date so we don't have to do all that. But, um, <clears throat> and I went to my first, mother let me go because Patty was going there, and I was 12 years old, going to my first church retreat. Never been anything like that. And it was kind of, they had ministers who knew nothing about teenagers or kids or anything, be all the speakers. So, and no plug on bad on preachers, I don't mean that. But I mean, you know, there's some specialists that know how to r relate to young people. And so they gave us a little book and told us to take notes. We'd never taken notes in our life. We never had exams or anything like that. And so those little, those little books like they gave you in college, you know, for a thing, and we were... So anyway, on Thursday, they said, turn your books in. Well, I was just humiliated because I don't know what I had written. and Because I didn't like to read. And, and uh, so anyway, I handed it in. But I got it back, and he wrote on the back of it, I would thank you for the book, but he said, I'd like to suggest that you memorize this verse. And I think this was the beginning for God to st start stirring up my mind. Uh, although I had godly grandmother and mother, uh, it was, it, it, it was, it was, they were working on me all the time. And so it was a study to show thyself, 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Do you know I memorized that verse? I was 12 years old, didn't really know exactly what it meant, but you know what I did know? I didn't like being the thought of being ashamed. I knew what being ashamed was, and I didn't want to be ashamed, and I knew the answer to it was study, and I didn't like to read, and I didn't like to study. <laughs> that was what was stirring in my heart. And then and we went on into, uh, and the Lord just sent great, precious friends into my life and playmates and uh, opportunities, and then when I got to high school, had a Sunday school teacher that uh, was teaching us Genesis. And one day she said, well, there's a man coming here from Dallas, Texas, and he wants to start a club and um, it, to talk about Jesus. So we thought, well, we thought having a club sounds fun. <laughs> so we started, and that was the beginning of Young Life in Memphis. And uh, it was a hard beginning because the ministers that heard about it Hitler had a youth program, and the war was going on, and it was called, it was youth, he had Hitler Youth, and the men, many of the big ministers in Memphis said, it's, it's a Nazi thing, <laughs> and it's a youth thing when it's young life, and so they discouraged two of my very best friends that had started coming and were so excited about learning the Bible and everything. Their pastor said, don't you dare go to that meeting again. So I don't think most people know how hard it was in the beginning. And I want you to know that when you have, they had the big Young Life thing this last year, the celebration was the most precious thing in the world to think of that new beginning of, there were just about three little girls and a few boys, uh, Guthrie and Will Wardle, uh, that got it started. And, uh, but the Lord was in it and it, and it was fun. And that's when Chubby found out that he, we could kind of have a date in the week. Uh, <laughs> but if he'd come and pick everybody up, because we didn't have a car. Okay, now let's see. I think I've jumped ahead. Uh, I am not one that's real specific, but I tried to keep things in line. But Young Life made an impact on my children. Uh, they went to Young Life and our work crew, and my grandchildren are now going. We went in the summer and took couples. We thought if it works for kids, it'll work for couples. And we took several couples that really came to know the Lord out there when they, it was presented in a very wonderful, loving way. Um, but anyway, in, in high school, let's see, what was the thing? I, when he's, uh, when I, oh, in Young Life, two things that were important. I memorized 50 verses in those two years. And the reason I remember it was 50 because the next year I had married and gone to Chicago and I was real lonesome. And after I quit work, I was walking down and I would say the verses in my mind. They say that's how it sticks over. And that's why I remember. I can't tell you I know 50 of them now. I have some new ones. 
But anyway, I didn't know what a lot of them meant. I just memorized them. And then my young life leader gave me a daily light. How many of you know about the daily light? Not too many. Up higher. <laughs> well, that is good. And you know what? The, God used that because I didn't like to study. I didn't like to read. Uh, he, um, th- th- it's w- one little subject, and it was written in the 1800s by a family. And they took a one uh, aspect of, of the walk with the Lord and put the verses together. And they put, when they changed the verse, the, the, the uh, you know, Scripture. They would put a little dart like this, and all of a sudden I'd see something like like verses that Mary Ann kept quoting. I would think, oh boy, I don't think I've ever heard that before. And so I would count down one, two, three, the little dashes, pick up my Bible and look it up, and that was the beginning of me uh, liking to cross reference and, and and find references because then. I, I couldn't ever, maybe you memorize them, but I could find them. And do you know that's what I do today? I just say, well, I just can, if I, if I tell you a verse, I want to be able, for, if they say to me, well, are you sure that's in the Bible? Then I can say, yes, you know, and I'll tell them what it is. So that, those were things that I'm sh- just sharing of how God had his hand on a little girl that didn't like to read, didn't like to study, liked to play with people and have fun rather than study or read. And how he had his hand on me because, you know, I had a grandmother and a mother that were praying for me for us to walk with the Lord and to protect us and to keep us with the right friends. And that's another thing I've been reading. My son and daughter-in-law gave me a new Chuck Swindoll Bible for Christmas last year. And and at 93, I, I, I had mixed emotions. I thought, do you think I will live long enough to read this Bible? Yeah, we are here still here. <laughs> well, I'm I'm, I'm really on the way. Uh, I'm in Isaiah now, well, we and I'd already read the New Testament, so I've just got to go to Isaiah to Malachi before I finish this stuff. <laughs> and do you know when I started Job in December, I didn't want to read Job for December. Who wants to read Job? And I want to tell you, I, I thought I've found out so many things about Job and that I've never even heard preachers talk about because he said a lot of good things, and he went through a most horrible things that, to get there, but he ended up praising the Lord. And so did Habakkuk and all everything. The, when God would come and say, I'm wiping everybody out, and, you know, you're going to star- be starving and everything, and he says, but... And no matter what, I'm going to praise the Lord. So, Marianne, you've taken care of that yeah. in your verses. <laughs> okay, so then we, um, we married after our freshman year. My mother made my little sister finish college and almost made Patty. She, she would, didn't say a word about Chubby. When Chubby came and said he wanted to marry me, and I was out of just one year of college, and I, you know why? Because he liked, he was like my dad. He laughed all the time. And see, and I think she fell in love with him, <laughs> too. And so that's why she let me marry him. And I, somebody said, well, where'd you go to college? I said, I went to Chicago, about the wickedest city in the world. <laughs> and, uh, but the Lord taught me so much about trusting him and not being alone and and gave me friends there. And, but the greatest thing he did, Chubby's Hospital was, he, he had come to know the Lord the year before we married. And the hospital was right around the corner from Moody Memorial Church. How many of you know about Moody Memorial Church? And that was, guess who was the preacher? Dr. Harry Ironside. And I mean, he was fabulous. And he gave Chubby, because I loved it too, but it was so much fun because he gave Chubby such a love for the scripture from that year. And, and what happened with Chubby would be, I would be at home way, way, the last street in Chicago. And he didn't, he'd had the duty. So, but he'd sneak away and get one of his friends to hold him up at the hospital because it was just three blocks from the hospital. And when they had special speakers, he could go over there and hear it. So Chubby got his Bible training very, very with Jim Rayburn, leading him to the Lord. 
and then um, then Dr. Harry Ironside. God, you see, it is fun. I look out here, and I can know a lot of you, and I know that God has been doing the same thing in your life, and every one of you can be sitting up here this this, this moment. You don't have to be 94. And, uh, and you know what's sweet? My little sister has Alzheimer's. She can't remember even... She, she had a first grandchild and couldn't know it was her first grandchild. And God has given me 76 greats. Now, you'd say, well, isn't God unfair? No, God had another plan for Berta. She went to, as an ambassador to the United States to Korea with her husband for eight years. He was the president of Emory University. She had a wonderful life. But God has another plan for that family. And he has given me. And, and you know one of the things that I've enjoyed? The Lord wakes me up. I get aches and pains in my feet. And, and I find that if I get out of bed, it stops. And you know what he wants me to do? Pick up that Bible. And I want you to know I'm in the back of my house. The Lord had my children by my house and letting me live there. And letting me live in my own room. And they don't hear anything. And I don't hear them. And I, uh, any time of the night, I get up and I read the Bible. And do you know I have a clock that I can see the time? And after about, say about, I'll think two hours, time to quit. I don't want to quit. Do you know why? Well, when we went to Young Life with all those couples, the first Young Life camp we went to, Colorado, the camps were over. The Young Life leader woman took the girl, the women, and the husbands off on a mountain, Shine Mountain. And she talked about Second Peter, uh, First Peter two, two and three, and Marianne calls them boulders and rocks, and I call them life changers. These, the, huh? You think that's better? Do you think so? <laughs> so? I got your approval. Good. Anyway, um, so I call them life changers, and she made it so real because she took that verse, and you look it up when you go home, that. That a new book says that we are to desire the sincere milk of the word that will grow. She took that part of that, just the beginning of it, and she said, That's what you are as a baby Christian. You are a baby Christian. And what does a baby want more than anything? And when they, they want milk, how often do they want it? They want it very often, but not as much. But as they grow, they take more and then. It, it lasts longer. So she describes that as a believing Christian, baby Christian. And then it says, desire it, then you'll grow thereby. And if you do this, you will find out God is gracious. God used the last part of that verse, which I will tell you about later in my life, it, it, those two things. And I said, Lord, I don't like to read the Bible. I don't write, but read but give, make me want to read your word, because I know it's your will. Make me want to read your word, and like, and like I like ice cream. Do you know he has done that? And I almost laugh sometimes when my legs are hurting, and I think, well, I think I need a little more rest. But the Lord said, no, I think you better get up and start getting on that. And I, then I get in it, and I don't want to stop. And do you know I really don't have to? Because my children are in there making, getting off of school, and I'm out of their way. And so I get up anywhere. Well, I won't tell you what I do. Because I find I've, it, it sounds like I'm bragging. <laughs> and that's so weird and so, we so evil and so bad. God puts a lot of punishment on the children of Israel for pride. I just read about that this morning. <laughs> and so I don't want to do that. But it's because he answered my prayer. That he and he knows that I want to hear, and you know. Anyway, I haven't gotten to that point now. Let's see. So anyway, um, I asked the Lord about the desire, and then He said, gave me that verse in Psalm thirty-seven four. Delight yourself. Desire and delight are kind of the same thing. Delight yourself in the uh, de delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. I didn't realize that I was young. I just thought that was wonderful, but I didn't realize down the line it might be something I didn't think I wanted. And he gives you a lot of things you think you don't want, and then at the end you find out it's exactly what you needed. 
And so that's what we have found out. That's the advantage of being 93 and 96. Now, I'm 94. Uh, <laughs> people ask me all the time, says, who's the oldest, you or Mary Ann? Well, you know what's the matter. I got an early start. No, the thing is, the reason they thought that is Chovy got out of med school and they could marry. You weren't at Southwestern but one year. Yeah, I know. I had to graduate. <laughs> and well, then you also had to go around with Tommy for four years well, in the Navy. He couldn't marry until he got out of Annapolis. Yeah, okay. So I had to wait. So her children are older. They well, I got an early start. <laughs> you know, people will say to me, I have no problem understanding how Noah's children populated the world. <laughs> Ninety-six, than ninety-four. I was doing really well when I was ninety-four. I think you're doing, babe. I think you're doing great. All right, Margie. Margie, did you want to talk about Africa? You got just a couple minutes left. We want to finish up on that. Whatever you want to do. Okay. But one of the reasons Chubby came home and he had heard about this place wanting a doctor in Africa. And we, we almost went the first time, and my preparation for Africa kind of has mixed in, whether it was the first time or the, because for the next 10 years later, we did go. So I, if I, sounds like I'm not telling you the truth. But anyway, he, he came home and he said, uh, did Miss, uh, what was her name? <laughs> Tell him that he was going to operate, Margie, not hunt. Okay. Um, so anyway, he came up. They needed a doctor, and he said, "Did Miss So I can't even think. All of a sudden, that's left me. She had been a missionary there and came home to take care of her mother at this particular station, in which we had almost gone." Said, "Do you uh, know of a doctor that would like?" She came up to me and said, "Would." Chubby, do you think he'd be interested in going to Kenya? She had known that we had almost gone. And I said, you ask him. And so he got home and he said, did, Miss, did she ask you about going to Africa? And I said, no. He said, he asked me, she asked me if I knew a do another doctor that would like to go. And he said, no, I'll ask around, see if somebody wants to go. And so, um, and he, which, which he did. And then uh, he said, do you want to go? I said, you know I don't want to go. <laughs> I was always afraid to give the Lord my life for fear he would send me to Africa. <laughs> and I thought about the verse in Peter. If you study the word and walk with the Lord and find out how much he loves you, then you don't have any trouble giving your life to him. And that's why people are afraid to let the Lord take over in their life. Because they're afraid he's going to tell them to do something they don't want to do. And maybe he will. But he'll always bless you when you're doing his will. And it's your confidence that you are in his will. The children used to get mad at me and say, are we going to go to Colorado? And I said, well, maybe. I don't. Nancy would say, and I'd say, if the Lord lets us go, quit saying that. <laughs> I, you know, but I wouldn't know because sometimes he did stop us. And sometimes he, we got to go. Okay, that's not the point. Back to Africa, and, I said, and he said, but would you go if the Lord told you to go? I said, yes, I would. I would go if he told me to go. And so, uh, the, you know, the next morning, the Lord woke me up at 5 o'clock. <laughs> you're, you're dwelling in sealed houses while the house of the Lord lays waste. You're putting money in a bag, and there's a hole in the bag. If ever uh, anything described our life, it was that. Because when you're interning, you know, you're scrimping and saving. And then when you finally get to practicing, the point is, as Louisa McLean said, it doesn't make any difference how much money you make, you spend it all. And that's what we were doing. And so it just kind of described just living and having, doing what we're wanting to do. And so as I went along, and I was reading, I was that was in was uh, Aggie Isla, Habakkuk, okay, and so thank you, thank you. And so then I read along in the Gospels where the point there is, love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, 
in your strength, Mark adds. And that began in Genesis when, and, and Moses, and, and he wrote in uh, Deuteronomy 6 that that was the beginning. And, it, and, it, and, it's, and it's threaded. I love it. The things that are threaded all through the fun. It's just kind of like treasure hunting. Solomon called it more, more fun to treasure hunt. Well, it's more fun to treasure hunt in the scriptures and see one truth beginning and seeing it ending and then seeing it all through the word of God. It's like it's finding treasure. Well, I didn't mean to say that. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I've got it back and I said, the reason you don't want to go to Africa is you love your life and you love what you're doing and you don't want it. The water's ruffled. And I said, but Lord, and he says, if I love you, I will obey you. Lord, if I loved you enough, I would go and I would, I would obey you. But you know what it said? It said also that if you obey, you will love him. It's kind of like math. The things equal to the same thing are equal to each other. And when I say that, I have to say it over again. I he, I know what did I say? <laughs> if you love him, you'll obey. You remember she called me to pray with her that she'd want to go. I'm yeah, well, then that I If you love me, you'll morning. obey, and if you obey, you'll love me. Well, let me just say, I called, Mary Ann was the first one I called that morning. I said, Mary Ann, you won't believe what I read this morning. So Mary Ann was the only one I told that what was going on. I didn't tell my mother because she'd always acted like she loved missionaries. But when it comes to your daughter, you're not that excited about it. <laughs> and I didn't tell her, and I didn't tell any. So Chubby didn't tell anybody. So I tell Mary Ann every day, Mary Ann said, what the Lord tell you today? <laughs> but anyway, so I tried to obey the Lord and really start wanting to find out and you know what I found out what sin is sin is doing the things that don't please the Lord and that's a that's a lot easier to say somebody do you want to please the Lord or do you want to obey the Lord well that was what I was doing with the children obedience 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 and I was horrible I was so bad to them and then I realized I was being bad to myself and Lord and I got to Philippians 2 13 I said, how can I love you with all my heart? And he said, Philippians 2.13, it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good place. I forgot that one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he'll make you want to. And so God made worked in it. And even mother accused me. She says, you just gotten carried away about this going to Africa when we finally told her. I said, mother, the Lord made me want to go. And so the morning we left, and we had five things that would keep us from going. And one of them was, some, was somebody to take care of Chubby's finances because he had to keep his office going. And guess who was? It was Tommy Frazier. And, he, and in, the, in a he week's time. the Navy at Union Planet Bank. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but four, the, the four things were solved. One was not solved till the last week about the house. But, uh, but Tommy, and then, then Chubby got Tommy a hunting trip out there, and they came out to Africa. I have got to tell them that. <laughs> okay, ladies, I'm going to get in trouble. I've got to tell them this. Okay. I was get in your, the get kitchen fixing dinner. Oh, uh, Horace. I was in the kitchen fixing dinner, and Tommy comes home from the bank. Margie and Chubby been there several months. No computer. They wrote letters when something came up about the finances. He threw these six airplane tickets on the kitchen table. I just brought us six tickets to Nairobi, Kenya. I said, excuse me? <laughs> he said, I knew you would want to give the money to the missionaries. <laughs> So I bought them. Tom was in uh, Bible school. Tim, her husband, was getting ready to be 16. Dan was 10. He's back there. Jonathan was 7. And David was 6. And we went and descended on them for one month. <laughs> Chubby. Oh, and Margie got me to talk to this high school. There were more, 300 little darling African girls. And I said, I guess you've never heard anyone talk so funny. And they fell out laughing. <laughs>
but I, and they, I said, what can I talk, Rahel? Remember when the, she asked me? Uh, she said, you can say anything you want to. So I talked one minute about America, and uh, I don't know how long about Jesus. But the thing is, we had a wonderful time. We went visiting on Margie's friends on the mountains, pulling up with the, uh, the what do you call them, the roots, trying to go up. There was no way to get up there. But we were, we were young. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, he needs to wrap up. Okay. Let, me, let me finish with two yeah, verses. I, uh, I didn't say that during the time we were going to Bible studies and hearing conference and going places, and the Lord gave me that verse in Psalm 143, 8. I believe that's it. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift my voice unto thee. And I said that in my mind before I opened my eyes for years. And then somehow it just got lost and that while I was going through my, the Lord trying to bring back memories of my life changers. That was one of them. And the, another one that let, this recently I kept finding out where it was is 1 Corinthians 2.9. Eye hath not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart the things that God hath prepared for those that love him. But you know what? People leave the next verse out. It says, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. <laughs> and everything precious and wonderful that he wants to let you know that's waiting for each one of us who have loved him and done for him is, uh, is in this book. And you just don't know it if you haven't gotten into it and let the Lord give you some of the life-changing promises there's so many of them. I, I, was, I went to bed at 11.30 last night thinking, oh, I know there's another verse that I need to get on with this, but I knew that the time was up, and I want to thank you, and I want to tell you that Mary Ann has already explained to you that we would not dare have been here if we didn't know the Holy Spirit years ago told us, go where I tell you, and I will tell you what to say. <laughs>